I have been carrying around a copy of Stuart Little, which I have never read since 1985. Welcome, Welcome to Whelmed, a podcast for Zennials. Hi. How are you? I'm using a new mic today. Oh, don't you sound delicious. I know. Well, hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Whelmed at Night. <laughs> oh, oh my God. We should totally have a Whelmed at Night episode. That's hilarious. Whelmed after dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. <laughs> I love it. Like, oh, and we could be like Dr. Ruth and. <laughs> yeah. With all of our, all of our expertise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, but wouldn't wouldn't we be like all the rest of the quote sex experts who have no experience with relationships <laughs> and sex? You're like, I don't know, I'm just a Joe Schmo. Let me answer all your questions like an expert. Right? Yeah, you, listen, if Dr. Phil has taught us anything, it's that you can put doctor in front of your name and tell people what to do whenever you fucking feel like it. And you don't have to have any qualifications for that shit. Is he even a real doctor? No, he is not. Fucker. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm using what used to be my voiceover mic in my little voiceover booth, which is now taken down and I've sold most of it. Oh. Um, yay moving. Um, yay moving. My apartment is a hot mess of destruction and. <laughs> oh my God. It gets so much worse before it gets oh. better when you're trying to pack shit. Like um, we will post a picture on our social of what my bed looks like at the moment. I just took all of my drag out and threw it on the bed. <laughs> I bet that looks amazing. Actually. It's a, it's, it's, it's a lot of tool. <laughs> As God intended. Right? Um, here's another fun fun um, find. So I've been carrying around this box. It's a Banana Republic box. Not that that matters, but it is. And then it says on it, travel souvenirs. And I have been holding on to travel souvenirs since high school. Mm. On my first trip to London, um, uh, I went to Madrid during college and then our, when we lived in London, you and I, and all of our mm-hmm. travels, I threw most of it out yesterday. Did you really? But it was like train tickets and subway tickets and like maps of London. And it was all with the intention that someday I was going to make some big scrapbook. Mm. And I just, if I haven't made it by now, it's just not going to happen. Um, but the the box full of stuff to feel nostalgic for you like you didn't look through it and go like oh isn't that nice a couple of things like i had flyers from gay clubs that i went out to oh nice yeah i took a picture i I sent it to my friend nathan who I, i keep in touch with from london um i if you recall i mean i don't know if you got these because you were there with me but i would send emails home every week every monday i would send an email home to my family which was Mm. more we went to see this play and we saw this museum (laughs) and aren't i smart and fancy right um and then there was a more risque um chat after dark kind of email to my friends at home um but uh i remember that at one point i was like i don't i wanted to include them in the scrapbook and I don't remember right. having them. And, a, and I asked my grandmother, my mom's mom, if she had them and she had kept all of them. Wow. And she, so I had this envelope with all the emails in it. And I, I, I scanned them into my computer. But as I started looking through them, she proofread all of my emails. <laughs> Oh my God, if that is not your family in a nutshell. <laughs> like it has marks all over it. Of like, where, you know, like all, where I didn't capitalize or like misspelled, like the whole thing. Like, God bless her. She was like, hilarious. I can't read the shit. So I got to fix it first. 26 pages of emails proofread. Wow. That is 
Amazing. Yeah. I still have all of my emails from that time. Like, I think I do too. Yeah. Just like in a folder somewhere. And mm-hmm. I go through them occasionally and I'm like, oh, what a time we had. There, I was starting to read it. I read a couple and I was like, wait, I want to know more about this. Right? Wait, what did I do? <laughs> this is the problem with having a terrible memory. I'm like, oh yeah, wow, I did. That's amazing. Look at all that. You know, it's, it's really interesting purging this time as opposed to all the other times I've done like a sort of a spring cleaning, if you will. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's it, a lot of it is like, well, this has been, just been taking up room. I forgot it was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, if and and if I can get it again, like buy it again, if I know I can buy it again sometime, if I need it down the road, then I'm probably going to donate it. Yeah. Well, and there's something too, there, it, it's different when you're like moving than it is when you're spring cleaning, right? And so there becomes this thing of like, am I going to take it with me, right? So like when we moved from our last house into this house, mm-hmm. um, when we bought this house, which was like two years ago, and when I was cleaning through stuff and like I threw out like all of my high school yearbooks because I was like, I have been carrying these around for a decade mm-hmm. and I don't, I've never looked at them. I don't care. I don't remember any of this shit. So I like, I cut out a couple of pages, right? Like our senior year, like my friends and I, like we, you know, you put one of those gotcha. like memory pages in yeah. the back, right? Like my parents did one for me of like, congratulations, graduate. And so I like cut those pages out. And I stuck them in whatever scrapbook because like I was a huge nerd. And so I did make scrapbooks out of all of those like ticket stubs and shit. Sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then I just was like, no, fuck it. Like, I don't, I don't care who was on the chess club in sophomore year. Like that. I don't care. Why am I carrying this shit around? Like, let it go. Well, and to your point, I actually ended up journaling about this this morning. Um, what's weighing me down metaphorically mm-hmm. and maybe quite literally and maybe literally too right um, like you're wearing you're carrying around some shit i found a book uh on my bookshelf there are eb white books one of them is Stuart little which i have never read but inside the dust jacket there is a um an inscription is that what mm-hmm. you call it like when someone yeah. writes you a little note in the book um uh it says my full name all four names and a suffix, then Chad in quotations. Um, enjoy. Great Grand Aunt Felice, 1985. Happy birthday. <laughs> I have been carrying around a copy of Stuart Little, which I have never read since 1985. From your Grand Aunt Felice? No, Great Grand Aunt Felice. Great Grand Aunt. And... Yeah, that is like, I mean, if you get metaphorical with that shit, right? Like, man, the the family expectations and the waspiness of all of that shit, like. I have every Bible and book of prayer that I've been given for all of those like religious, like waspy mm-hmm. religious events that have my name inscribed in them all in like those that, that cute little gold lettering. Yeah. And I just like have not been able to get myself to part with them like. I am not, I do not subscribe to a Judeo-Christian religion. I have no problem with people who do, but. It's not your bag though. No. And so I found this Bible from my first communion on my bookshelf. And like, I opened it to see who might've given it to me, like to see if there's an an inscription inside. And it had that new book creak. (laughs) Yeah. That this has never fucking been opened before, Creek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you for a quick second worry if you were going to hell? No, I didn't. <laughs> Good. Fight that shit. That's great. <laughs> so did were you able to get rid of them this time? Well, they're technically still on my shelf, but like, because I haven't quite gone through the, sh- the shelf, the, the sort yeah. of decorative shelf, the, 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 the showy shelf. What do you mm-hmm. call that? The shelf in your living room where you're kind of like showing off your shit. Right. Yeah, that shelf. Yeah. Your tchotchkes and I don't know. Right? Like, it's, I don't know. It's your showy shelf. It's where you put the pretty books. Yeah. And like, I, I also you, have- You hide the co- ugly ones in the bedroom. Right? Um, yeah. I also have this collection of soldiers that my parents collected for me as a child. 
to that force are on- heteronormativity onto you? I, I don't, I don't know. My mom had this thing like, so my mother moved us a lot. We moved quite, quite often, even within the same town, but she had like, every room was kind of redecorated always in the same way. So my bedroom was always like the wallpaper was always some kind of either soldier or map, like, like a map, like an old looking map. Mm-hmm. And then um, every year for Christmas, I'd get a nutcracker and some um, tin painted sold, like little tin painted soldiers. Um, they're, and they're all like British, you, like British looking soldiers. Did you grow up as a Victorian child? Yeah. <laughs> My name is actually Marie Antoinette. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, Non-Victorian, but go on. <laughs> whatever. You, uh, Marie Antoinette actually would work better for you. Yeah. Victorian's right? very repressed. <laughs> um, Tin soldiers, my goodness. Yeah. Didn't you just want like a like a Game Boy? I, I, I had one too. Okay. Um, you did get to have normal kid toys too. Like you weren't I just did. like a poor child from a Dickens novel. And and I don't I didn't not like the soldiers. Like I would like every couple months, I would take them all down and then rearrange them, like replace them on the mm-hmm. shelf. Um, I never really played with them. They were totally displayed like situations. Sure. I mean, were they meant to be played with or they were just like display? I think they were always just display. Yeah. And what a weird, what a weird thing to put on a child. Cause like also in my house, you did not play in the living room. You did not play in the family room. You did not play in your bedroom. You only played in the playroom, which was in the basement where you're not seen. Right. So are you letting go of the soldiers? Um, I was. <laughs> <laughs> then I had a conversation with my friend Bobby and he's like, well, do they really take up that much space? Can you just leave them at your father's? Like, what if you want them? What if you want to give them to your nephew? Yeah. I don't know. Well, and I think to me, right, like it's this weird thing that you start doing, like when you're trying to figure out, when you're trying to figure out what matters, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's this weird thing of like, okay, I have these things that have been given to me and I don't necessarily like them. Like they're not me or I don't particularly, like I don't have attachment to them now as a person who I am now, Yeah, but I might- Right. So like I hung out and, you know, luckily if you have a parent who's very kind and lets you store crap in their basement or whatever, like, you know, I have porcelain dolls. Well, I'm not going to put porcelain dolls on display in my house now because I am not creepy, but (laughs) thank God. Yeah. But, you know, like at some point I may know someone that I'd like to give them to. Right. Like I want to pass them along to someone. Yeah. But that seems different sort of than like the high school yearbooks or the right like nobody else is ever going to want those like is anybody else ever going to want a bible with your name inscribed on it no but i'm going to give it to goodwill anyway yeah absolutely and listen maybe they'll go to good i mean somebody will use them you know it's it's the other thing that's interesting is you know in doing that sort of marie kondo thing about you know what brings you Mm -hmm. joy i've had to um dig a little deeper on that in a way because like it's what so i have like these shell silverstein books on my bookshelf mm-hmm. and uh you know i have a couple of faves from childhood and i can look them up when i want to on the internet because they're all there but like i feel like i've kept them around because they've been a conversation piece when people come over because everybody loves Shel Silverstein. Right. And so yeah. I like, I don't care about having the books. I care about the conversation piece. Sure. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna donate the books because like that's stupid. It's not stupid, but right. And then it just becomes yeah. this huge thing of like, I don't know, is that is that joy? Who knows? What does yeah. that mean? When like also like 
my desk does not bring me joy, but I do need something to put my shit on. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I feel like Marie Kondo, like you gotta have a lot of Marie, you gotta have a lot of money to Marie Kondo everything. Right. Like some stuff just has to have a purpose. But like also what are things I'm holding on to that I think make me look like smart or intellectual or mm, like, mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff. Um, right. Yeah. I also used to love coffee table books because I think I think it made me look adult and smart. And um, I just have these Vanity Fair coffee table books. I'm like, I don't open them. They don't bring me joy anymore. Like, I used to care a lot more. Now I'm just going to keep the ones with hot dudes in it. That's <laughs> what I care about. Priorities. Yeah. The French rugby team book. The ginger book. <laughs> The Broadway Bears book. They sound delicious. I mean, yes. <laughs> and we're back to Whelmed After Dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, speaking of After Dark things, um, this is going to be a really bad transition now. Um, mm-hmm. you wanna, you wanna a lot of things again? that happened in Kid 90 <laughs> were After Dark. Oh, Kid 90. So, okay. Okay. So I asked you to watch Kid 90. And you did. You um, did. it was after seeing a bunch of people, of people I'm friends with on Facebook, post about it. And um, the way they spoke about it felt like lots of nostalgia for the 90s. And the way that the movie is marketed, it's sort of like Punky Brewster played by Sulay Moonfry. Like she had a video diary of her life that included like every other famous kid teen actor from that time, like Brian Austin Green and Zach Morris and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so I got, I got that. This seems like something exactly that we should watch. Right. But it was dumb. Not dumb. That's not fair. Um, it it felt like it was trying to be like this thing where like Soleil Moonfry is trying to prove to people how much she's grown as a person. And it just makes her look like an ignorant person. I, I just, I want her to get therapy. <laughs> So like, yes, it is interesting. It is very interesting to watch the videos, right? Because she's a baby and then all the other Hollywood celebrity babies that she hangs out with, right? Mm-hmm. And it's lots of famous people. You basically know everybody who she who she, right. who she is friends with. But there's this thing of it that's like, I just, I was, I was young and I just wanted to experience everything. And I just wanted to, and I was like, well, yeah, like that's, that's how all fucking teenagers feel. Like they have, they don't understand consequences and they don't like, you just want to feel stuff. You just want to experience things. You just want to go live life and think you're an adult and like be right. So like, yeah. This is exactly what every teenager would do if they had a very large amount of money and could do anything they wanted to because they were famous. Like And like went to school but didn't really go to school because you were famous so you were like not going to school. Right, like you had tutors. So like you yeah. absolutely could do that shit hungover, right? Because you partied at whatever club last night because also the club would let you in and fucking mm-hmm. serve you. And like she kept talking about, you know, it's this very strange thing where like she saved she saved all of her voicemails so like she did this she she had the video camera all the time right when in the like I mean I think it was like fairly early 90s right like it's like early mid 90s like 92 and Mm -hmm. 92 to like 94 yeah she she saved all of her voicemails too and like she had all of her diaries right like she always kept a journal and she saved all of them and so like she has this very if what it had been was her understanding what from an adult perspective what she had experienced as a child it might have been really interesting but what i felt like it was was her 
misunderstanding what she had experienced as a child. Right? Yes. Like she's talking about, and I'm not even going to get to that part yet. Hang on a second. I'm getting to it. But when she's talking about her friends who, like she had several friends who ended up committing suicide because first of all, you are young. You're like, you're in this wild, young, crazy party crowd. Right. So like, Oh, that's not, that's not a big surprise. She kept talking about, you know, and I, I wasn't, they were, they were crying out for help and I wasn't listening. And why couldn't I hear them? And I'm like, because you were a child, because you were also a child who like, could not manage your own your friends like depression and suicidal ideation that wasn't your job like because there were no grown-ups there were no adults who could hand to help any of these children manage any of these problems but uh, what what struck me though that was weird was like as an adult as she's like doing the interview part and like recounting it it was like well i had no idea and i was like he literally left you a voicemail message you know that that said that he might that one of these the people in the in the film um might hurt himself and i just it feels like she didn't i don't i don't know how to say this like there were clear signs that that she had friends that needed help in my opinion based on seeing these videos mm-hmm. and that she was too wrapped up in this something or other to care enough to do anything about it i i disagree okay i don't think it was that she didn't care i think she was wrapped up in her own dysfunction that's fine okay so yeah she was busy being an alcoholic 17 year old who was being raped by a 30 year old like Charlie Sheen raped her. That's what happened in that movie. Charlie Sheen raped her and he was Oh, that was Charlie Sheen. And she was 17. And if nothing else, he statutory raped her because he was 29 and she was 17. And like, then the end of the story is like, oh, and then he came to hang out with me when I moved to college in New York and we went to a baseball game and he said I was lovely and he saw that I was growing up into a woman. And I was like, did he? Or did he just, was he just glad that nobody was pressing charges? It, I don't it, know. I just thought it was, it was super fucked up to me. It was just And there was like, I don't know, maybe I need to watch it again, but it felt like kind of rose colored glasses looking back. Like it felt very like a nostalgic look back and it just seems like it was a lot of fucked up shit. Right. Like, yeah. I was confused. Like, I was like, How are you? Yes. Don't have a, don't have a nostalgic look back at like you're very drug and alcohol addled past where many of your friends ended up dead. Like this wasn't like, Oh, what good times we had as teenagers in the nineties. Like, and that's how it was marketed. So it's right? very like, confusing. Well, that's how it started, right. Like it was like, Oh, nostalgic times for the nineties. And we had a video camera and like, okay, but shit was still fucked up though. <laughs> like, and there was, you know, that I do think that there's, there's, at least some hope in that department, right? That like people are allowed to talk about mental health, right? Yeah. Like that there's a push that like you're allowed to talk about that and you're allowed to, that we acknowledge that it is a factor and we acknowledge that like suicide is a thing that happens and that people have those feelings and that they can be helped with those feelings and that you, there are places where people can go for non judgmental help in that way. That like when you are a teenager, I felt this way that like your emotions are so catastrophic. Every emotion you ever have is catastrophic because first of all, hormones, like, of course it is. But then also like the first time you get your heart broken, it's catastrophic because it's the first time you've ever gotten your heart broken. Yeah. Like by the third or fourth time that happens, you're like, ah, yes, I remember this feeling. It sucks a whole fucking bunch, but I'm going to survive it. Like the first time it happens, you're not sure you're going to survive it or that you're ever going to get over that person that you were so in love with for that one like hot summer, right? Like there, there was a line, there was a, there was a scene in Buffy. I can't remember when I'm pretty sure she was still in high school in the series where it's between her and her mom and her mom says something to the effect of, 
I know I went through this as a kid, but now I'm an adult and magically I don't understand it with watching you go through it. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I mean, you know, I think that was a helpful thing for a TV show at the time. Like yeah. most adults I know remember exactly how it felt to be a really? teenager. Yeah. Do you not remember how it felt to be a teenager? Like it's so palpable. I don't, I mean, I'm not saying that my experience was different, but yes, it was strong emotions. And um, I think though, because of my upbringing with my family, I was already so protected, like protective. So to avoid getting hurt. Sure. But that didn't change that that didn't change how you how you how you felt emotions sure like the way that you felt them yourself inside yourself is the same like it's the same thing yeah. you just don't you just don't put them out you don't share them you don't like have them where people can see right like sure yeah because like that's how you got taught to manage them yeah and like everybody has that sort of thing right like I mean, everybody has different ways that they, that they interpret that, right? Like, yeah, but they sort of grow into that thing. But like, yeah, I think, I think being a teenager is incredibly hard. I don't know any adult who would go back Mm -mm. to being a teenager. Like it's, it's so intense and scary and, and, and just really intense. It's just really intense. And like, you have to be real about that, right? You have to be real that like, that's super hard and that it, it is a lot easier to be older in many ways. Yes. Um, you know, and, and back to kid 90, I think it's, I also think it was, it almost felt like Soleil Moon Fry when, when she was sort of narrating the documentary, it sort of felt like she was telling also someone else's story. Like she wasn't, it almost, yeah, you know what I mean? She, was, it, she wasn't connecting with it. Mm-mm. Yeah. Because she was not, she was refusing, right? Like, yeah, you know, what's also interesting. interesting though. I don't know if you caught the credits, but this was produced by Appian Way, which is Leonardo DiCaprio's company, and Sean Penn was also an executive producer on it. Hmm. Weird, right? That is very random. Um, you know, I'm glad that she's doing better as an adult, but um, mm-hmm. it was, it was not how I would have done that yeah I mean you know if you like super love Balthazar Getty you should definitely watch it <laughs> forgot about him he's still cute I, though I had totally forgotten about him I is he cute? and Stephen Dorf oh that guy seems like a real mess he still right. seems like even on the documentary he seems like a mess I'm like oh <laughs> shit you are a mess that's probably why I'm attracted to him oh my god um, Speaking of crazies, so this really cute guy friended me on Facebook a couple of months ago. And, oh God, I attract the crazies. Um, And he lives in New York, and but he had lived in LA and we had a bunch of friends in common. So, you know, we were chatting a little bit and he's very cute, very preppy, very waspy, very New England. Um, Yeah. And then like something happened recently. I'm not sure what, but like the like the times we chat, it got very weird and he'd be making these very general esoteric comments about how he's finally understanding the world. And today though, we chatted and he's like, yeah, my dad tried to commit me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, do tell. <laughs> And he was talking about how like all these people are weird around him now and they just don't understand and they're ruining it for the next generation. I was like, okay, I'm not quite sure what's going on, but hope you get through it. And then he like went on this like whole thing about how he's connected to AI as an artificial intelligence and that everyone's trying to stop it. And like he he's he's but he's the one to do it and i was like okay it sounds oh you poor thing you may need to be committed <laughs> wow that yeah. is one i have not heard before yeah mm-hmm. 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 so we wish you all the best sir and <laughs> uh, yeah why, wow. why do you think that certain people 
just hot like our crazy magnet. We do not have time to get into this. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, you ready for this transition though? Speaking of crazy magnets. <laughs> Agatha from WandaVision. Oh, God. What a gem. So just to set this up for our lovely listeners, a.k.a. David. Uh <laughs> Listen, I have had a number of people in the last two weeks reach out to me to say that they are listening and they love Aww. it. We love so, you. Thank you, friends. We're really excited that you're here. Um, Chad, tell them what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so, you know, if you've been playing along here, you know, we've been talking about WandaVision. We, we totally nerded out an episode or two ago. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we've also fallen in love with uh, the character Agatha, um, which is named the, the what witch, the something. Mm, she's the what kind of witch? Okay, well, we're really good at this. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, she was but going by, by Agnes, and then she's Agatha Harkness, played oh, by okay. the incomparable Catherine Hahn. And uh, in my, you know, internet escapades, I stumbled upon an article um, that talked about why Catherine Hahn has sort of officially become a gay icon mm -hmm. based on, like, this WandaVision sort of cemented it for her. Yeah. But there are like, she, she had to build up to it, right? Sure, yeah. So I, I, the article, I wrote some of the, some bullet points down. The article touched on a couple of things. Camp factor. She has a major camp factor to her, like mm -hmm, in, mm -hmm. inherently. Um, she has, she's uh, done previous roles like in Transparent and in other projects that speak to the LGBT community. She sometimes likes to play hot messes. The gay community <laughs> really likes that. Um, there, there's a lot of Wizard of Oz references in WandaVision. Mm -hmm. And that, so that obviously adds to all of that. And then also um, the playing of a witch because witches come from a marginalized community. Mm-hmm um they're kind of othered in a way and 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 i think the lgbt community likes those good versus evil stories overcoming yeah. adversity um right like well and then there was this sense of like i mean in, in in a way that like you know agatha kind of she was there all along and then she came out to be her real self right and she did it in a big fucking showy way with a top 10 Netflix or uh, iTunes song. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> she had a song to go with it. Right? She had, she had theme music. She had theme music. Yes. She got memed to death. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Well, and she has, so Catherine Hans has such an expressive face mm -hmm. and was allowed to, because of the character she was playing in WandaVision, she was really allowed to play up that camp factor, right? Yep. Um, and I, I really loved the discussion in that article about the idea of Camp Factor and like, why is that so appealing to LGBTQ audience, right? Like, why yeah. is that? Why is that so intriguing? And I loved the idea of like, because it's so like, it's so out there. It's so loud, right? Mm -hmm. So like, when something is campy, it's just really unabashedly and like in your face, what it is, it's over the top. Yep. And it, that's really powerful to like see somebody who's just like completely wholeheartedly going for it and being whatever version of them crazy selves they want to be. Yeah, um, I, I like this avenue we're going down. So I'm just sort of thinking about other content that's super campy that the gays love. So like obviously Wizard of Oz, which we've mentioned. Mm -hmm. Hocus Pocus, mm -hmm. um, you know, dirt at the time, Sex in the City was pretty campy. I don't, I don't think it like lives up to the dream these days, but. Right, but I mean, it definitely was, a, yeah, like it definitely, yeah, and that, and that it's very female centered, right? So like mm -hmm. that there's. 
there's Moulin a thing Rouge. of a yeah. right. There's a thing of a gay icon that's like it's the it's the powerful woman, right? It's like the diva. It's diva worship, right? And there's a sense of like maybe not always like a huge fantasy, but there's a sense of fantasy to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like that that's it's interesting to think about like why do some why do some people get to be gay icons and other people don't? Oh right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're gay icons. Aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so you you have you have the standards of, you know, Bet and Judy and Liza, um, right. Barbara. The old yeah, oh, the old school ladies share. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Um, oh my God. Uh, 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 what's her name? Became sort of a gay icon later on. Um, Carrie Fisher's mother, Debbie Reynolds. Um, and then uh, more recently, you, you know, you obviously have Queen Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you have the gay icons, I guess, for different reasons. So like, I would say Kelly Clarkson's a gay icon for different reasons than Beyonce is different reasons for than Lady Gaga is. Right. But does do they have, is it, is it something that's all in common though? The fantasy. Interesting. I think, I mean, Lady Gaga definitely has camp factor. Oh, for um, sure. I think Queen uh, Beyonce, I keep calling her Queen Bay. <laughs> um, um, she has like, it's sort of like the stoicism, I think. Mm, interesting. Um, there is that that royalty fantasy though, that we've sort of applied to right. her. Sure. Um, and Kelly Clarkson's like the, like the down home, like real girl. <laughs> sure. That kind of makes sense. Do you do you feel like you know something about a person by like who their who their divas are or who they gravitate towards? I think it's telling. You know, I every I feel like it, that's a really good question. I think that gay guys feel like I don't know. I feel like we all have to worship someone. Mm. <laughs> it's a little bit of a, like a deity kind of thing. Um, you know, so that I'm just like, like comes with your gay card. You're like, okay, right? now pick a diva. And I actually always felt um a little um uncomfortable about my choice because <laughs> for so long it has changed. Um, but um, for so long it was Janet Jackson was was like yeah. my my gal. Um, and uh, she is. I mean, she is very well liked by the gay community, but. I don't know. She she's not favored oh, her, by as many as like music, a Madonna. Right, and her music style changed, and she toned mm-hmm. down her like whole like right. So like it used to be more of her show used to be more of a spectacle. Her yep. like yeah, and super then after camp, the whole yeah. Super Bowl thing, like she she really switched her. She sort of became more like R and B songwriter e, right? Like she's with a little more, pop. She's more one the soul and like right. Yeah. Like it's yeah, it's way more chill, much yeah. less camp and like divaness. Hmm. Um. But you know that one album when she did that cover with Missy Elliott and um Carly Simon. Uh, you know the cover of your or the redo of your so vain and mm-hmm. um. But, you know, a lot of, you know, today, it seems like a lot of gays pray to the altar of Lady Gaga. Um, sure. You know, when Did we the, were younger, it was Madonna. How do you feel about Katy Perry? Because, like, Katy Perry checks all the boxes, but she, she doesn't really does. register as a gay icon to me. I feel like she might be falling into that Janet Jackson box. Like, we all like her. We have fun with her. But, like... But like, what's missing? That's a really good question. Um, maybe she's missing that stoicism. Interesting. Like, I wouldn't. Chuck, I wouldn't. Chuck, I wouldn't. Explain I wouldn't, that like, a little bit to me. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like, if if I mean, I know I realize we're just talking about music artists right now because the gay icons obviously happen in in other areas. But like, there's a there's a stage presence to Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Britney, 
Janet, Madonna, where like they can just stand on stage and give a look and the crowd goes B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Right, so it's about fierceness. Yes, and I just, I, I don't know if Katy Perry commands the stage quite like that. Oh my God, she totally doesn't. Like, mm. I completely know what you mean by yeah. that. And I never thought about it before, but no, I would not believe that Katy Perry could just stand there and be fucking fierce. There's, yeah, it's, I think that's definitely part of it. You have to be able to stand on a stage by yourself, do nothing, yeah. I think Robin Wright Penn can do that. Like there were moments in House of Cards where like it's just her on camera and she's mm-hmm. staring out a window and I'm just like I've never wanted to be with a woman so badly in my <laughs> entire life. So it's that sense of like of like self possession or whatever, right? Yeah. That like I own myself and I am me, and I'm here, and I'm, right? And that yep, makes Adele sense as to why, that's, why mm-hmm. that's appealing, right? I would say um, Kate Blanchett has it. Mm-hmm. 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 There are more. I mean, Meryl Streep probably. I don't know. I, I don't think Meryl Streep's a gay icon. Like, mm-hmm. the gays like her, but she's not a gay icon. Mm-mm. I mean, she mm-hmm. was she was in Devil Wears Prada, but that's not her, like, but it wasn't her, it was like Miranda. Exactly. Right? Yes. So Miranda's a gay icon. Yes, 100%. Yeah. But Meryl does not have mm-mm. that quality. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, I'm trying to think who might be coming up that food chain though right now. And, and no one's coming to mind quite yet. Demi Lovato might be headed that direction. She She's a little bit of a basket case, so we'll see where it goes. But... So Demi Lovato may fall into what I guess would be the Liza category. Liza's a gay icon, mm-hmm. but like she's not taken as seriously as some of the others, I don't think. Um, yeah. I mean, was that because she was a big old mess though? Maybe. I mean, look, the gays love a comeback. I mean, we all love comebacks. Um, sure, but nobody loves a comeback like the gays love a comeback. Sure. But at a certain point, it's sort of like, um okay i don't think you're i don't think you're coming back anymore (laughs) (laughs) just just stay where you are honey yeah (laughs) Yeah. um yeah 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 Yeah, so it makes sense that like we have all these things there's all these things that are in common right so like it's the camp factor because you need that like big loud bold in your face but Mm -hmm. then also like the self-preserved like fierceness of like, I'm going to stand in my own skin and just yep. stand here on a stage and have people go bananas just because I'm such a badass, like standing yep. here. And then, you know, there needs to, there needs to be an acknowledgement of the gay audience. If you don't, mm. igno- if we're not acknowledged, you know, that's been an interesting, um, if you look at market research actually about uh, advertising, mm-hmm. um, the gay clientele for brands have gone up when you market to them directly. So like, let's just take a beer ad, for instance. Um, When they were just copying the same beer ads in normal magazines and just putting them in the gay magazines, it didn't really move the needle. But when they created special ads just for the gays, it moves the needle. So they the gay icons also have to be acknowledging of their lgbt base right that makes sense which Mm -hmm. obviously makes sense why lady gaga is such a powerhouse right now right is because like she is a champion but i also think you know and this is the this is actually interesting going back to the demi lovato piece there needs to be a struggle too there needs to be an overcoming of something Well, and that's what I mean is that like, I think she's done a lot of that. Yeah. I think she's like had her sort of comeback story and has definitely come into her own, like, I'm not caring what other people say about me anymore. Like I'm going to do me. I think, I think her music's not good enough yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, you know, another one, Kesha. Kesha's a gay icon. Oh, yeah. And totally makes sense, right? Like, mm-hmm. big hot mess, total comeback story, like, in a powerhouse diva, like, putting shitty white guys in their place kind of yep. way. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, absolutely. Love her. What about TV I, TV people? Are there any TV gay icons? Well, 
I mean, you I kind mean, of have to go back. Like, um, what's her face? Yeah. I dream of Jeannie. Um, oh, Elizabeth okay. Montgomery. That was Bewitched. Yep. Sorry, that's what I meant. Yep. Um, Lucille Ball. Mm-hmm. Um, All women who are fitting the categories. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did you have a more current one? Oh, well, I said Karen, Megan Mullally. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Megan Mullally. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've never been a big curb uh, your enthusiasm, but I know a lot of gay people who, who like some of those strong female characters on that show. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's just one. Yeah. But okay. uh, I think it's Chrissy something. Chrissy. Mm-hmm. I can't believe mm-hmm. I don't I don't know her name because I, I know who she is. Yeah. Um and she is very funny. Like I have liked her in other shows. Um she was fantastic on a show called Suburbia. Okay. Um yeah. with uh, Jeremy Sisto. I loved her on that show, but I can't do curb your enthusiasm because everybody yeah. on that show sucks. Um, you know, Christine Baranski is an interesting oh case total study. gay icon though. All the gay men I know love her. I love her. She hasn't like, she's obviously known. She's Mm -hmm. always working, but Mm -hmm. she's never like, she's never quite popped out of supporting leads. Yeah. Like she just, she does, does, she does small parts. Uh, In (laughs) movies. I mean, you know, she has an ongoing lead in um, uh, the good fight, which is the good Mm -hmm. wife spinoff. Right. Um, but, and hard know, though because they shunted it over to CBS Access, which is now Paramount Plus, which mm-hmm. you know people don't really have access to. Like I feel like that show would be a much bigger deal if they would have just put it on TV. And I think it's weird that they didn't. Um, I think it's actually interesting that they didn't put it on TV, and they get to do a lot of things that I think appeal to not a normal CBS audience. Mm-hmm. I'm well, a big fan. I'm a big fan of the show. No, and I agree. Like, I've heard wonderful things about it. I just, my thought would be, like, you can do it, CBS. Like, be a little bit better. Like, you have a really good show. Trust that you can put it on your network and that people will watch it. Um, Oh, Whoopi Goldberg, gay icon. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense because she fits all the categories. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's a question. Robin Williams. Could he fit the bill? I mean, I don't know. Could he? So, like, the, I guess this is the great follow-up question. What about men get as gay icons? I mean, you know, Elton John, he fits that this bill. Right? Um, but, like, there, I don't, who else is on the list? Freddie Mercury. Sure. But they are gay. That's so true. Does oh, that make that part okay, of the Okay, okay. So that's an interesting distinction. They can't actually be gay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I'm saying, like I don't know. Would you have a gay icon that was male and straight? That huh. seems hard to do. Right. Like I would be impressed, but like I. I don't know. Maybe Ryan Reynolds. Okay. I mean, I could see that. I don't know, like, I is he an icon or did people just really like him? Because I feel like everybody really likes him. It's a good distinction. Right, but, like, <laughs> there's sort of a difference between, like, there's Liking a pedestal him and, for and, icons. and wanting to do him? <laughs> well, right, and then you got to take that part out, so that gets complicated. Okay, so I mean, to that, be there's gay, something I... to that, right, for, like, the women. It's, like, these are not, I do not have any romantic feelings about these ladies, right? Like, these are people that I just worship. I adore them, but I don't, the romantic feelings don't get in the way. So we're sort of making a delineation, though, between gay icon and sort of diva. Because, like, you can have other kinds of gay icons. So you're saying you wouldn't call Elton John a diva? (laughs) No, I absolutely would. Yeah, I would, too. And so I'm saying I don't know that you I don't. That's what I'm saying. I don't know that there is a distinction. So I think, though, that there's also like there's a as we were saying before, there's a little bit of a worship factor in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, people like actively. Well, I mean, y'all are a loyal crew. We are. Right. Until like you wrong you're... us and then you're dead to us. Yeah. And then you're dead to me. 
Mm-hmm. Such a yet. Virgo thing. Like the gay community is such a Virgo spirit. <laughs> Clipboards <laughs> and rules. <laughs> the collective gay gay community is a Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's time to party and then Leo all the way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then there's some like there's some lesser like dance hall like gay icons. I I guess I would say like Donna mm-hmm. Summer and um, Deborah Cox and sure, yeah. How does this translate to drag queens? Interesting. Um, I mean, RuPaul is a gay icon. Um, but was like, do drag queens come out of the like? desire to emulate the divas right like that that's sort of how drag like developed i don't know if that's how it developed i know it got a big boost in the 80s from what was called the ballroom community or what is called the ballroom community um which is uh shown on the tv show pose um and that actually came out of uh very poor people of color in New York City, mm-hmm. a lot of them dealing with gender identity um, situations who would have these um, events, they would walk the ball, where um, like a category would be um, executive female realness. And right. so to walk the runway, you had to dress up like a a female boss right and you were judged about being able to quote pass because you know they didn't have a lot of the options back in the 80s uh surgeries and and etc and making clothes for all different shapes and sizes so it was about passing and being able to blend in with the community not but then there were the female impersonators um Right, which is like sort of morphed into a different thing. Yeah, and 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 they sort of became entertainers. RuPaul would call drag queens a reflection of society or like very, um, a lot of drag queens call themselves clowns, that they're like very highbrow clowns. And because sure. like clown, you can argue that clowning is a reflection of society, they're satire. Right, yeah. And that oh. makes sense so that, you know, maybe in some way it's like a satire of a diva, but also sort of an homage to one. Absolutely. I, I, I don't know if maybe collectively drag queens are a gay icon. I don't know sure. if any particular one is. Right. I mean, there, I mean are, there are definitely some that are more popular. And I mean, certainly if you're going to pick one, it's going to be RuPaul, right? I mean, like, she's the most famous, but, you know, then there's Lady Bunny and Coco Peru, who are sort of like the godmothers right now of drag. Mm-hmm. Divine, yeah, whole other ball of wax there. Oh yeah, <laughs> for shizzle. Talk, talk about camp. <laughs> Does that make John Waters a gay icon? I don't know. It's interesting. Harvey Firestein. Like, uh, yeah, I don't. I interesting. I feel like. With John Waters, you're you're starting to talk about content makers too, yeah, which is like a different sort of thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it falls into the same category, like, because then you they, might need to think about Greg Berlanti, right? It seems like maybe a different word mm-hmm. other than icon. That like, if you're specifically talking about like gay icons in the way that we have been just. De- de- determining that and the way that we've been defining it then it is a really specific thing i don't know if we've actually said britney spears's name throughout this conversation but she's absolutely okay i just wanted to make sure we invoke her (laughs) spirit into this conversation um is there anyone you think we've overlooked or should be given that status that maybe they're not giving that they haven't been given the credit you know i I don't, I don't have anybody off the top of my head. I, I will be interested to see like who, who the ones that are coming up Mm -hmm. wind up being right. Like, it seems like 
maybe Megan the Stallion, maybe right, um, maybe Lizzo. Cardi, right? Maybe Lizzo. I think Cardi B is teetering on the edge. I don't. So I think um not Lizzo, not Cardi B. What's um the other that other female rapper's name? I'm blanking. Um. Nicki Minaj. Thank you. Nicki yeah. Minaj has a lot more gay icon clout right now than Cardi B does. I mean, I realize Nicki's been around longer. Um, sure, 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 sure. It, I get it, that. I, I'll be interested to see if Cardi if Cardi B reaches that echelon. Right, but like you said, there has to be the acknowledgement of it, right? And I don't feel like any of that has happened. She's had some issues with the gay community. She's dated people who have publicly tweeted against the gay community. Right. Um, well, and you're never going to get anywhere that way. Right. So, yeah. And like, I feel like some of the younger, you know, Ariana Grande and Selena Gomez and like that there's like, it, it, I don't know, maybe even popular, Taylor. Too, really, I, and right? I don't think they negate. Yet. Yeah, they don't negate their gay community, but I don't think there's like a. Well, I mean, I think there's probably a certain there's a certain amount of time that you have to like be in the biz, right? There's a certain amount of time you got to be putting out stuff before you get to be a gay icon, right? I mean, look, I love Ariana Grande, but I'm just not now thinking about it. Does she fit that criteria? Is she campy? Mm, not really. No. Not really. Could she stand on a stage and give a look? I've never seen her in concert, but I'm not, I've seen her perform on award shows, and I'm not sure she has that like right. commandment of the stage necessarily. Right. That like um, of all the people we just mentioned, Lizzo is definitely the closest to that. Yeah. Um, we haven't mentioned Pink and we haven't mentioned um oh the, oh I just blanked on them. I always forget J-Lo. about Pink. Oh and J Lo, sure. J Lo's recently, I think, revived herself. Like there was a time when she kinda faded out and then she sort of like reestablished and maybe raised herself. Especially when she uh, rewalked that Versace runway in in that infamous MTV dress. Oh, I didn't know she did that. Mm-hmm. That's a there's actually move. like an entire spring line of Versace inspired by that dress. Oh wow! Yeah, that that's that's some gay that's some gay icon shit right there. <laughs> that's some gay icon shit right there. <laughs> oh, Megan. What are you whelmed about this week? Um, we have been watching a show called Resident Alien. Uh, oh. So it is, yeah, it's um, it is a show that is on the Sci-Fi Network, uh-huh. um, which is very strange. But uh, we've been watching it on Hulu, and we like it enough that we are putting up with ads um, because oh. it's one of those shows that, like, while we have an ad-free program, it, we have an ad-free Hulu. Apparently, it doesn't qualify for ad-free Hulu. What? I don't know. It's very weird. There are a lot of commercials. It's super annoying. I God, I forgot how annoying commercials are. Um, oh God, but right. it is um, Alan Tadiak, who you probably most likely know from Firefly. He was Wash on Firefly. Um, I didn't watch that show. Okay, well then, never mind. Um, <laughs> other people may know him from that. He, you would one hundred percent recognize him. He's one of those guys. He's been in tons of shows. Um, he actually was also in that show, Suburbia, I was just talking about with Jeremy Sisto. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, so the whole premise is he's an alien who's crash landed and he has to, you know, put on a people suit and try to pretend to be a person um, in a small town in Colorado that I swear to God, I thought was Alaska. Like it's, it's very <laughs> small town. Um, so shout out to my parents for recommending it to us. It's really funny. Um, and, and it's got, it's got a little bit of heart to it too. So he, um, you know there's a lot of funny stuff that happens but he's like a, his nemesis in the town is like a kid yeah. um and yeah like it's it's really funny we're enjoying it so resident alien i recommend it cool chad what are you wound about this week i am underwhelmed by hbo max just gonna mm. say it um mm-hmm. i um it feels like so as as people may or may not know they recently released the director's cut of Justice League Zack Snyder's you better say his name uh Zack Snyder's sorry <laughs> not the Joss Whedon cut it's the Zack Snyder cut Zack Snyder's Justice League um, which you have to say a, like Batman though Zack Snyder cut there you go That's I am perfect. Batman exactly um i um <laughs> A friend of mine last night called it a really pretty screensaver. 
Um, you know, and when it first came out, there was a bunch of people that were like oogling over it, like, oh my god, it's so much better. And like the co- the regular comments have been, yes, it explains a lot of the things that the final cut that was released in the theaters didn't do, yeah. but you don't put out four hour movies. Like, but also like. Who wouldn't make a better movie with three years, $70 million of four hour runtime and the benefit of hindsight? Sure, exactly, that too. But also this just feels like a little bit of a desperate ploy from HBO Max to get eyeballs. Well, I mean, honestly, they just were caving, right? Like they just caved. They just caved to the fanboys, which is not a good precedent to set, Mm-mm. guys. It's not a good precedent to set. And they spent, like I said, they spent $70 million. It like they gave him an additional $70 million to make the his cut. And like I I think if people people definitely watched it, but that like, okay, so now what? Yeah. Like, you're not going to make more because it wasn't good enough. Like, if it had been terrible, it would have just proven everybody's point. Even if it was, like, the best thing ever, then, like, so what? It You know, so going back to sort of the DC Universe thing, it, it feels like, and, I, and I'm stealing this comment from someone on Facebook, but it feels like they should have had a lot more individual hero movies that led up to a Justice League. <laughs> like, we hadn't, like, right, Mar- like- Marvel, Marvel did a good job and spent years building up to the first Avengers, like literally like five to 10 years to get from the first Iron Man. It was six. Okay, six, they spent six years from the first Iron Man to the first Avengers. Mm -hmm. And you know, how many movies? I don't remember, but like- Five. Five, thank you. Yeah. And I think we've had like two Superman and you know, we haven't had like- a I new... don't even think there were two Superman. I think there was one Superman. Mm-hmm. There was one Wonder Woman. There was a there Batman was versus Superman. Yeah, but Batman versus Superman is like almost a Justice League movie. Right, exactly. It was like, Dawn of Justice. So you're basically like trying to do this movie where you haven't explained backstories. I mean, like, even though we sort of know a lot of the backstories just in our zeitgeist, but- um. Yeah, it's yeah, just well, you just skipped that you skipped the backstory. You exactly. Skipped the thing. Yeah, you skipped the setup. And I just and so you just made this Justice League movie, but then the follow-up comment was you're not making good enough individual stories either <laughs> to like <laughs> warrant the Justice League movie. So like right. here here's the big question, why did we make a Justice League movie in the first place? Oh, because Warner Brothers got scared because Avengers were doing so well. Yeah, like it wasn't because they had a story to tell. It wasn't because they were like excited about it or they were going to do it well or whatever. Yeah, like or because they had a plan. Yeah, so they just Warner were Brothers like, slash Here, DC Snyder, slash have all H- the money. Yeah, Warner Brothers slash DC slash HBO Max do better. And like, mm-hmm. yes, Zack Snyder makes a beautiful looking movie, but has he ever proved that he can tell a story? He definitely um, not. As Ariana Grande would say, thank you, next. Thank you, next. <laughs> See, maybe she could turn out to be a diva yet. She could in some of those songs where she gets like a little bitchy sassy. Mm-hmm. But then she like kind of goes back to this. Because like... the one that was like one taught me pain, one taught me patience, uh-huh. right? The one with the three, with like the three loves or whatever. Like mm-hmm. that definitely was like a gay meme. Yeah, mm-hmm. But then she veer, she veered away from it again. Yeah, you gotta you gotta live into it, Ari. You can mm-hmm. do it. So, a little bit of an announcement. Uh, surprise! You're listening to the final episode of season one of Wound. <laughs> surprise! I love a surprise <laughs> party. So we are going to be taking a break, and we will be back in the beginning of May with season two of Wound will be even better, more exciting. We're going to have guests. We're going to have watch parties. It's going to be awesome. And so in the meantime, you know, listen to your favorites over again or tell some friends about us or just come argue with us on our socials. You have time. Tell people they have time to catch up before the next season. time to catch up. We're not talking about anybody. time to catch up. You can do it. It's great. Just do it.
That's and now it. it's time to say goodbye <laughs> to our all our family. Uh, Chad, where should people find us? Um, you can find us on Instagram at Whelmed Podcast or look us up on Facebook at Whelmed with Megan and Chad. Um, you can also find us wherever you listen to podcasts. And I say that because you should tell your friends to listen to us wherever they listen to podcasts. We sure would appreciate if you would also take the time to rate or review us on whatever platform it is you're listening, because uh, that does help new people to find us. So come visit us on our socials and tell us about your favorite gay icons or argue with us about who we missed or who we're wrong about. We love it when people argue pop culture with us. Right? Ugh, so much. I mean, we're right, but we could be wrong. <laughs> we're but right, right, but we'll talk to you about it, though. <laughs> Let me convince you why I'm right. <laughs> oh, I love you, honey. What would I do without you? Uh, you never have to worry about that. Bye, Bill. Bye. Bye.